Previously on Anything Goes. It's, it's nothing I haven't written about in that column I write for the Village Post. Right, okay. Uh, I won't be, you know, mean about the answer, but right. it does, you know, just the fact you ask the question answers the question. Right. I, I have okay. a couple I, questions about uh, ball to cock size ratio, so. No, I have yeah. some really That's good dumb well, questions. if you yeah. ask me that question today, it's a very different answer I would have than 40 years ago. Oh, well, right. I hope so. Or even 20 years Keeps ago. Be weird or even right. last week, come to think of it. <laughs> Do you know I can't sit down in a car now without it hurting? What? I sit on my Neither. balls all the time. Oh, really? What the hell is that? <laughs> now, see, you don't have to worry about this, Christina. No. Uh, yeah, or if you have a... Yeah. Do they have They're, labia tucks where they put it... The clit grows and you just... Not, not the clit, it never the sags. actual... It doesn't sag down there. I've seen some I like a clit. You know, I like a clit with a good spit curl. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, my it's like lips a water are, fountain? Have we become Small Howard perky, Stern like in like boobs. four exactly. seconds? Exactly. What happened here? I'll check my bank account. It got really filthy really fast. And now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Don't touch that dial. It was molested, and it brings back horrible memories. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? I still feel like we're getting some weird feedback. You guys we are. We are? Yeah. Like. Some kind of tinny one, two, noise. Three. I don't. Is it coming on my end? Well, I can hear it when you speak as well. Okay. Anyways. All right. All right. Are you recording? Yeah. I'm getting. I'm. 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 I, someone bought me a, a a selfie light. You know those circular selfie lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I have. That's yeah. why I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna look as pretty as you, Kathleen. Can you believe that? Well, why don't you have it up yet? I don't. I don't. Well, it hasn't arrived yet. Oh, you ordered it. Okay. It's coming. It's on its way. It's on its way. Right, right now, Dave, you look like every like asshole in an '80s uh, movie, right, with the hair and almost like that Christian Slater kind of. I'm a fucking asshole. The green oh, I'll, I'll pump up the volume. Kind of pump up the volume, yeah. Yeah, very sort of like that. Well, hey there, everybody. Uh, <laughs> ever hate it when your parents tell you what to do and you don't pay any rent, but you still act like a piece of shit because you haven't had any life experiences? Yeah, cool. Aren't we great? Yeah. Uh, I just gotta, I just gotta go put the red version of this jacket I'm wearing on. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> oh man. Um, How was everybody's week? It was fine. It was like 18 degrees in Edmonton yesterday. Mm. It was nice. Well, that's that's fair. You know, Sean Connery dies, and you gotta have, be able to go outside and celebrate. Yeah, I went to when he died. I was like, so I'm gonna find out like what shit he's done. Because as soon as somebody dies these days, they're really like, don't celebrate too soon because they've done this. Right. And that's when I. Uh, the video where he's basically telling Barbara Walters that sometimes you should hit a woman. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I believe that. Uh, wow. Can I say in Sean Connery's defense, I believe he said that you could slap anyone if if they're hysterical and they're not uh, uh, of just reacting well in the situation. Just to, you know, like Cher slapped Nicolas Cage in Moonstruck, you know, and she's like, bam, snap out of it. I think he was, uh, I, think he, I think he was just trying to say everyone but that, of course, includes women. So. But it doesn't come off right. Sean, but like, I, I agree with Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We know okay, that. That's, that, that's better. Now, now, now we know where it's going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't pick up that vibe, Dave. I said, you know, when I watched it the first time, like whatever, 10, 15 years ago, I was like, he's saying he slapped women. Yeah. When they get too out of control. <laughs> when when they get too out of control for Sean Connery, a little smack, and you know. I just watched I just watched Gerald's game before this. It's on Netflix. Oh, I do want to watch that. It's good. It's like yeah. it's like a couple and he's they're trying to spice up the relationship. So she he, she gets handcuffed to this bed 
right. then he has a heart attack and dies. Like that's not a spoiler. That's in all of the that's right. in the trailer. It's in the trailer, but it is good. It is really good. The ending is okay because so Stephen King yeah, endings are always kind of blah, but but it it was good. I do I do enjoy those are some of my favorite sort of horror suspense sort of movies where you're trapped in a situation and you have to play that whole how would I get out of this situation right, game right. like um there's that one that I'm gonna watch that movie that Kathleen talked about but there's another one called um uh Frost I think or Frostbite or Frostburn or Frozen not Frozen the cartoon but the one where the three people get caught on that ski chair lift. Oh yeah, that's that's oh, a good yeah. movie too. It's like one of those those movies. I'm sort of like, honestly, what would I do in that mm. situation to get the fuck out of there? Because it's sort of like they really kind of go through every. There's three of them, so you know, and of course, yeah, it's just crazy. And also, um, uh, that movie, No Vacancy. Did you see that one? No. That's no. the one where um, it's Luke Wilson and. Uh, Kate someone, I'm not sure, I don't know, but she's really great. And okay. so they they get lost off the highway, and so they pull into this deserted motel that used to be a real hot spot, but then they built the interstate and nobody goes there anymore. So right. then they go into this hotel, they check in, everything it does seem kind of weird, and so they go into their room, and then there's this stack of VHS tapes, and so Luke Wilson puts one in the machine, and then he realizes that... Uh, everything that's on those videotapes was recorded in the room that they're in. Oh, okay. And, and they're all snuff films. Yeah. So, uh, and then so he gradually, he's like, holy shit, uh, what's going on here? And then they start hearing a bang at the door, knock here, knock there, all this craziness ensues. But it is one of those movies where you're just like, what the fuck? What, what would I do? I know. When I was watching A Return of the Jedi, and when Princess Leia was uh, chained to Jabba the Hutt, I was like, fuck, what would I do? Well, are you are you Princess Leia or Jabba <laughs> yes, the Hutt? I'm, I'm Princess situation. Leia, Dave. Okay, all right. In, in, in his golden bikini. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, you kind of oh. look like Princess Leia right now with yeah. your little... <laughs> Or that guy from uh, the... What if I pan uh, down? It's Jabba the Hutt with Princess Leia. Are you happy now, Dave? No, I'm just saying. You just said if I was in... What? No, no, no. I was just saying, if, if I was Jabba the Hutt in that situation, I'd... I don't know. I'd, I'd yank on that slap her around. Am I right, Dave? You'd probably slap her. Slap her around. That's my uh, Sean Connery impression. I know oh, Dave yeah. does it. That's why I like to do it. Go slap her around. Isn't that... Well, of course, I haven't gotten the chance to do my fantastic impression yet. There we go. Yeah. Well, yeah. You two, yapping away like you're doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I do want to see that movie. I haven't, I haven't watched a horror movie in a long time, but there's uh, Fiona O'Brien had a great tweet, uh, or at least I think it was a tweet, it was definitely Facebook, how she said that her son had watched um, Blair Witch Project a couple days ago, and he still hasn't left her bed, you know? Like, like he's so scared to sleep alone because of that movie. And I forget how scary that movie was for a certain age. I was older, so it didn't scare me, but it really fucked up some people's heads. And people puked. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it was it it changed movie making so much in, mm -hmm. in so many. It was like the first really big sort of found footage movie. Yes. Even though, I mean, in many ways, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not it's not a found footage movie, but it's so low budget that it's right. that's one of the scarier things about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember studying it in marketing when I took marketing, and because it, it's one of the best marketed films, because. For a long time, people thought it was a documentary. Right, right. Like, they made it sound, like, for the first few weeks, people, or first week, but then people saw it and were, you know, right. it started around as a movie, but it was just so well done, and it was, like, so, like, the acting was so good, and, it, oh, that movie was so good. Um, yeah, it was weird, because it's, like, they just had, like, a little blip at the beginning of Blair Witch Project that said, this is a work of fiction, or something like that, or... It's not a doc. It's uh, not a documentary. But then it went quickly into the documentary style, and right. yeah, it was really taken. But in. the way they marketed it, they made it sound like it was like a real documentary. But it was just sort of like because it, it it was a fake documentary. Yeah, you know, it's, it's still probably. I'm not sure if it's if that or paranormal paranormal activity one, but I still believe it's the highest grossing movie uh, of all time per dollar spent making the film. 
Yeah, obviously, the Avengers is, you know, the biggest because it's $2 billion. Yeah. But for the amount that it costs to make it, for yeah. it pulled in a percentage, it's, I think it's almost still number one. I don't know. I think, I think Paranormal Activity might be, might have broken that record. Right. There's like a movie, there's a series on AMC right now called Eli Roth's History of Horror. Oh, okay, yeah. And and then they go through every genre. Of, if, if I could recommend to anyone, it's, you know, it's a great look at some classic movies. But you also forget the levels that some horror movie directors try to put into their movies that you're not even aware of. It's like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they talk about how at the beginning there's a hitchhiker they pick up. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about the town that they're in and the state that they're in and how they shut down all the factories and there isn't a food enough to eat. And then there's a whole cannibalism yes. sort of underlying subplot to Texas Chainsaw that you don't really even take in. One thing, but you've seen, both of you have you seen uh, FUBAR? Yes. Yeah, I have it on DVD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know a, a friend of mine who went to go and see FUBAR, but he missed like the first minute or so. Right. Where it says it's a documentary. So the part in FUBAR where the documentary filmmaker jumps off that cliff and breaks <laughs> his neck, he watched it and was just like, holy shit, what the fuck is... <laughs> he thought he like, well, he, he thought that it was like a real documentary till the very end or uh, till the next day. And, uh, and, and then he was surprised when someone uh, told him it wasn't. But by, uh, Talking about like even uh, for docs for horror movies, there's a five hour documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. It's five hours. They go through all the movies. They talk to all the important people. Like, I forgot that, like, the second movie is severely gay, and there's this huge gay undertone to it. And, uh, yeah, it's, like, it's pretty groundbreaking for the time. People didn't pick up on it, and, and so they go through all that. And it's a pretty amazing thing. It's, you know, it's, it's there's, like, seven movies now. I never watched past number three, I think. But it's still interesting to watch. There's, like, supposedly, like, an eight-hour version for Friday the 13th, or they do the same thing, like a deep dive on right. all the people associated. So, yeah, I'll check that Eli Roth thing out. That'd be up my alley. I really miss seeing horror movies in full theaters. Like, I just... Right. I seeing most movies like i miss seeing comedies and horrors in full theaters because there's nothing better than screaming with a bunch of people but i don't oh, yeah. think that's ever coming back i don't think that that stuff's coming back ever i went to when i got the chance to go and see get out um mm -hmm. uh i went on a tuesday and it was at the kathleen do you remember the rainbow theater at market oh, yeah. square yeah, well, that's where you used to always take me on dates because it was the cheapest place you could go. Yeah, and it was easy to sneak food in. Yeah. Yeah. And easy to sneak food in, yeah. Yeah. You hear people opening burritos. Yeah. <laughs> someone, ordered, someone ordered fajitas. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I went to go and see, I went there with my girlfriend at the time. We went to go and see Get Out There. It was on a Tuesday. And if that theater holds like 100 people, uh, we were probably like uh, two of like six white people in the theater, right? And not to be like all cliche or anything like that, but it was just it was fun to watch that movie in that theater with that audience. That right. It was like people yelling at the screen. Oh yeah. Being like don't do that. Don't go in there. Mm. You know, oh, he's gonna fuck you up. Wait a second, though. So what you're saying is that you bring other women to our special theater? Well, uh, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I, I remember That's the, the best... world's theater. I know. I, 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 yeah. I didn't take Darren there either. So uh, people always say, you know, when it's speaking about stand-up comedy or comedy, what's the best comedy show you ever seen, or comedy gets the best best reaction, or whatever. And you know, I always tell everyone the best reaction I ever saw, still to this day, was I was an usher at a movie theater when the Naked Gun first came out. And it was 400 people sold out in a 400-seat venue. And I have never seen people laugh like that for 90 minutes. It was I saw people throw up from laughing so hard. Oh, my God. That's what, I miss that. I don't miss the throwing up. But I miss, like, I remember yeah. seeing American Pie in the theaters. Right. And people lose their minds. I remember seeing Dumb and Dumber. I remember seeing Wayne's World in the theaters. And people, like, lost their shit. It was oh, so yeah. good. I got to see, uh, there used to be the Uptown Theater in Toronto. Yes. And it, it, uh, it was, it, at one point it was like, a, it was just one big theater, but they yeah. divided it into like three separate theaters. 
And I remember it was like uh, an afternoon. It was the day it came out. It was like the four o'clock show, or uh, but it was like one of the early shows, matinee. And uh, my friend uh, from uh, art college went with me and, and to see uh, Beavis and Butthead to America. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we were like, okay, so at the time, I guess I would have been like, like 22, 23, or maybe 24, I don't know. But we were the oldest people in the theater. Right. Like we were in our early twenties, and we were the oldest. So it's like literally the de the demographic of the theater was like like fifteen year old boys to like twenty six year old boys or something like that. <laughs> and people were going fucking ape shit for it, and it was it was amazing. Well, I went to cool. South Park with like nine comics. Oh yeah, same thing, same thing. I think you might have been there, Dave Ford. Were you there with us? Might have been, yeah like nine or 10 comics and we went and it wasn't packed, but it had a good number of people in the theater. I have not laughed like that. That's the last movie I remember comedy wise laughing like that was South Park. And that's what, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they need to like make theaters like nostalgic again once this pandemic is over. Cause it seriously is like so much fun being in a room laughing with so many people. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, not, we'll not even get into comedy or anything like that. Uh, I got to say one more thing about the Blair Witch Project. You know, the, we all remember the end of the movie. Yeah. Right, where she's going through the house, and then she sees her friend up against the wall. Yes. And then the movie cuts out. Yes. I remember talking to, and, you know, we all have an idea of what happened. The kid got possessed or some shit like that. Uh, but I remember talking to a friend of mine, uh, and when he saw the movie, at the end, when he saw the guy standing up against the wall, he thought the guy was just, he thought the guy was taking a piss. <laughs> and then the movie stopped and it was just like wow it's, I mean yeah it doesn't seem that scary if you just thought he was taking a piss and your camera runs out of film but have I told my sixth what, what I thought happened in the sixth sense uh no but we have a we do have a, a guest coming in so is she here now yeah, yeah. she's here now so okay then we'll tell after Hey, it's Big Daddy Taz. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. I was going to say FM, but they hit me last time, so that's it. I'm XM. Radio. What okay. else am I supposed to say? Is that? Am I getting paid for this? Well, oh, screw it. You have a bottle of water. Yeah. For a second. So, uh, Kathleen, this is Chelsea. Uh, Hello. Chelsea's in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, right? It's me, yeah. You're still there? I wasn't sure yeah. somewhere else. You are in Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, Dave is there. Uh, Dave and uh, Kathleen are both comedians. We've been uh, friends for many years. And I met you um, in Newfoundland because myself and Kenny Robinson went there uh, to do a show. <laughs> and uh, we actually did a show in uh, your place of employment. That church? Yeah. Oh, that's the coolest strip club. It's the club, Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been at the Cotton Club in in St. John's? Uh, on and off for six years. Six years. Okay. And before you were there, was it always at the church? Uh, my stripping? No, no. Like, <laughs> like six years ago, was it at that church, or was it at a different venue before when you started? There? Uh, there for quite a while before that and then at a different location they built their reputation uh down on water street at a different there i think 10 12 years ago maybe right but the whole time you've been there it's an old church for those yeah. who don't know it's a strip club inside an old church <laughs> very cool that's which is right. ironic on so many levels yes on so I've many actually levels. learned my that's, that's, that's half the turn on What's that? I sorry, customers about it, and they freak out and they get up and run out. So I stop telling people. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't say to someone if you want to get a dance, get closer to God, and they just run out. Wow. Well, well, what I was doing without really any like premeditation, I was just being in the moment and being me because that's how I work. Like they would sit down, and I'd start my pivot, and I'd say like, you know, I bet you didn't know we're in the confessional booth, right? Thinking that they'd be like, woohoo, naughty, and they like literally got up and booked it a couple times. I was like, ooh. Okay, maybe I should slow down, guys. <laughs> right. Oh, you, wonder, you wonder what his confessions are that he was sort of like, holy shit. <laughs> right. I got, some, I got some secrets that I can't even 
pretend like uh, yeah 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 oh, i'm so no. shocked i'm like oh i guess i'm desensitized i don't know <laughs> I was telling them. I was telling them beforehand that you um, you also had some time dancing in Niagara Falls, and for and for oh, yeah. those people who don't know, I, I, and I don't know what era you did that in, but when I was going to uh, university in that area, uh, so this was like the late '80s, early '90s, and to mid '90s, Niagara Falls was like kind of almost like the strip club capital of the North, really. It was amazing. I was in there in the early 90s. I got there in like late 90s. Right. Um, but it was like we would go to like a nightclub in New York or Chicago and say like, you know, I work at the Sundowner and we'd be going in the back door on the red carpet type of shit. Yeah. It was right. so different than how it is now. Can I say this? I remember the ads for the Sundowner uh, uh, in uh, Buffalo 29. The uh, In Toronto, we would get Buffalo 29 stations and then they would have the, they had ads for the Sundowner, um, that club. Uh, which I'm surprised they never tried to have any crossover with Gordon Lightfoot. You just think it's <laughs> Sundown is right there. Yeah. Sundowner. Oh, and always, I remember the Sundowner is the first place that I, um, I was too young to go to a strip club when I first saw the commercials, but they always bragged they had a shower unit at the <laughs> Sundowner. And come down uh, to our shower unit. They have a shower unit now. But Why they must have taken it out. They have a shower at the Cotton Club. It's like world famous. Yeah. Oh. Well, they have but one I, of Niagara Falls at the Sundowner, apparently. I, I experienced the locker room change room, which is a lot of fun in Niagara Falls. But there wasn't one for the customers by the time I arrived. Yeah. Niagara Falls is where I saw a stripper squat over a man's face and pick money out of his mouth with her vagina. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that in Niagara Falls as well. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It is, especially because they all act so baffled by the fact that they have vagina problems at the end of the night with one another. Right. <laughs> well, paper cuts might be an issue, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that would be a turn on to me. That would almost be, I mean, the, the metaphor for the of, of the balance between of power in a strip club between men and women would be it would be too much of a metaphor for me right there with a woman literally taking money out of my mouth with her vagina that would be like whoa okay yours this is well, like, you know mix some red bull and cocaine perhaps with it like the chances of you getting a really broken nose are like really high right like oh, i mean no, I, yeah. is she really being in the squat when she slaps down on your face right yeah I, I, no i'm more i'm more worried about up here my my mental trauma like, <laughs> oh wow know. i think it's a painful experience yeah <laughs> i just I you know what maybe I, I mean i like to think i might be dirty but i don't want to put money in my mouth <laughs> you know what? i always teach customers that and they they're so confused and i i kind of feel guilty of like ruining the moment but i'm always like i just take it out of their mouth i go no 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 don't eat it and then i just yeah. proceed as if it was in their mouth <laughs> yeah like I, I bet if when bill gates gets his ways uh we'll all have a computer chip up here and you can literally just take your debit card and then just slide it across the vagina and then bing 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 a cash amount will pop into her account already. <laughs> well, you know what, Dave? I don't mean to brag, but on a show called Gutterball Alley, I actually wrote a sketch, and it was a hair miles, a strip club reward card for dances, and at the end of the dance, the girl stood up and swiped the card with her with her vagina. Yes. But <laughs> what the future holds. Yes. Now, I think yes. I've, I've been to that. Uh, we've been to that club before, haven't we, Darren? Yes. Uh, not to do yeah. a show, but just to be yes. there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Because in St. John's, there's not that many. There's not that many places to go late at night unless you really want to get hammered to go down to George Street or something like that. So a lot of times we'd end up there uh, or a few other small places around. It's a, it. It really is one of the best strip clubs in Canada for sure. Yeah, it's a good. Life. I went there with some comics, and uh, one of them came from their private dance, and I was like, "You look like you had a lot of fun." He's like, "Yeah, it was good," and I was like. No, you look like you're you're glowing, and he's like, no, it was fun, and he just had bronzer all over his face from where she had motor. What's the best? I think there was one comic that did a show once, uh, like it, it probably in Niagara Falls as well, and he might have been hosting the show. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but he's been on this podcast. Okay. Um, and I think he got on stage, and then the, the next act that uh, came on after him said, 
I think uh, I think our friend was over the script club. He had less, he had, like he visibly had glitter on his face. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite dazzling. I love it. I love it. Have you ever stripped in Alberta? I'm in Alberta. I haven't. Wah, wah, wah. I have a wah. story behind why. <laughs> okay, some why? people, some strippers hate um, Alberta because of the Looney and Tootie game. I think it's a big, huge conspiracy. And when I tell people about it, I compare it to the Biggie and Tupac conspiracy that the news created. And I, I, I compare the agencies who I believe started the whole thing to the news with Biggie and Tupac. I don't know if that makes any sense for other people, but right. that's how it feels to me. I've been waiting for like 25 years for evolution and it has not happened. Is there a, like a crazy agency war? Or yeah. They, really? basically, they basically condition the girls out there to believe that the east side of the country girls are unsafe and, you know, whore capital. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, like, slut-shaming and all that. And then, like, we consider that, and I, not, I don't want to say we like I do, but generally the girls right. on the country consider them, like, the brainwashed show ponies. Right. And because of that, we don't join forces and do wonderful things like unions. <laughs> right. Who knew there was stripper wars? That's the kind I of no idea. we need on TLC. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more that could be done about this industry than, than people have done yet. That's for sure. Well, there was a dancer once in Montreal that uh, uh, tried to convince me to kill her husband, but I had two shows on Saturday, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> so hopefully, I don't know if anyone else stepped in or not, but I know that, you know, I mean, that's just Montreal and that's just one person. So I don't want to. It's not everybody, I know. Like, but what about the West Coast? Because I heard that Vancouver had quite a crazy scene for a while as well. Yeah, I, I just refuse to work anywhere that requires a third-party company to get naked. Like, I just to me, it's just like low-key pimping, right? Right. So, but number like, five, Orange is a really fun place to go. <laughs> I tried to work there, and they wouldn't hire me. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. I'm glad I went through my 30s and not in my 20s because my 20s I would have been like, oh, I'm not skinny enough. I need bigger boobs. But because I'm smart enough now, when I did go, I was like, oh, they want me to comply and submit. No, I'm not into the repression later. And I left. Yeah. Uh, but I've been hearing about it for many, many years and I was really excited. So what I did was I left and went to the fire hall across the street and like yeah. swung out the coal and party with the firemen all day and made fun of the club with them. Um, so the time. <laughs> Why isn't there a strip club that's basically a fire station? I know, right? Like it's got a hole already. It's got ladders. They yeah, can have men. I mean, the Cotton Club nailed it with the church. There should definitely be like some, you know, Never Never Land looking treehouse strip clubs yes. and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yes. Right? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, maybe I should just start my own strip clubs, and they'll be themed strip clubs. They'll be the Disneyland's of strip clubs. Yeah, but imagine women being... finally open strip clubs. I think that we are there a lot of female owned strip clubs or is that like almost non existent? Almost non existent. Yeah. But okay, can I just say imagine being in the neighborhood where the local fire department became a strip club and then your house <laughs> happens to catch on fire and then everyone's like, shouldn't the firemen be here by now? Uh, yeah, we turned it into a strip club. We had a really good yeah. run with no fires and uh, yeah. well, you're going to lose your house. But here's some lap dance tickets for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you okay? So have you performed in Toronto before? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I've just always been curious. Now someone's—I don't know how it works—but I heard that it was just that, like, you have to sort of pay to play, sort of like a comedy show, but it's a bringer show, and you have to bring the audience. But you have to pay to get up on stage, and then that's the advertisement for you to get dances backstage. That's, that's that the whole side of the country. So okay. you've got, I don't really know where it starts, uh, Winnipeg, I think. So from Winnipeg West, um, majority, 90% of the strip club is them paying you and you being told what to do through an agency and this kind of okay. stuff. And then everywhere on the east side from there is contracting, renting the space, go on right. stage to advertise, you're down a couple bucks and off you go for your dances. Right, right okay. So yeah, so then your, your three songs is sort of your promotional chance to be like, Hey, do you want to go off and have a private dance with me? So you have to, so you, but so do you pay or go on stage for free in, in Ontario? I come in, Ontario, Newfoundland, Quebec, like all over the side. I come in and I rent the space with my cash up front. It's anywhere from like 25 to $120, depending on the time of the night in the club. 
Right, right. And then I go on stage on a rotation whenever they say so type of thing. And I sell my private dances in between to recruit. Right. The, and it's funny because uh, I've been I've been backstage at a few dance clubs and strip clubs because as they do do comedy, that becomes their green room. Right. And sometimes there's like things on the wall where kind of, you know, the rules. But also it's like if you take a, you know, if you come in an hour early, you'll you'll save 20 bucks off the, the fee and all that. Or if you come in on a Monday or something. So they've got all these little kind of Ontario know, was like Ontario was like, if you sneeze, there's a fine. If you do schoolwork, there's a fine. You know, if you use your phone, there's a fine. Wow. <laughs> they don't want you I, to get ahead. No, I'm not even shitting you about the schoolwork thing as well. Wow. Okay, well I, I, show, I did a show at a strip club in Prince George, and uh, they didn't advertise that it was a comedy show. It was with another female comic named Christina Walkinshaw. So men kept on showing up, and they're like, who are these girls on stage talking? <laughs> like, they didn't get it at all. Do you think they were respectful enough to use the word girls? No, they were probably like bitches. Yeah. I don't know. But, what is, what, but who are these dumb bitches talking But the manager of that club, because um, I talked about how I always wanted somebody to make it rain on me, he did. He made it rain on me with fives, and I'm like, I feel so honored. Like, this is, this is a big moment for me. How many times has, have people made it rain on you? Hopefully without loonies or toonies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these days, the the clouds are fairly dry. Yeah. <laughs> there is definitely a lot of rain in Niagara Falls uh, at the Sundown, you know, and I want to say like golden era. So 2002 right. at the very latest. And even by then it was like ending, right? Well, my last memory is the Buffalo Bills playing home games. So whatever year that was, that'll pinpoint it. Right. I could easily make 3,000 on one stage show. Oh, wow. oh a night? Yeah, and oh I'm like God. like 19 back then. <laughs> I totally had it. Wow. <laughs> Can I ask too? Because I've seen this before at like uh, I haven't seen it in in like probably like 10 or 15 years. But I remember sometimes I would see some clubs in Toronto promote an amateur night mm -hmm. where if you've never danced up on stage and you just wanted to, how do those work? Or so like, amateur nights are really popular with customers. So most clubs definitely exploited the shit out of them when they were able to get away with it. Right. But ever since Me Too, things have changed dramatically and the clubs have had to be very uh, conscious of what people will lash out at them about. And yeah. you know, enticing young girls is like a, not so much anymore. Right. Yeah. There's a show in Vancouver called Rent Check. And uh, it's at this... It's at this, well, it's, it's at this, like, dive bar, and anybody can enter, men, women, anybody, doesn't matter what you look like, and then uh, they, they have a strip-off, and then whoever wins will win, win their rent for the month, and it's a really fun and popular show. And, like, I would love to attend that. I keep telling the clubs, well, why don't we just reverse it and do, like, a cougar night, but nobody's put it together yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can say one thing, though. I'm always, like, it's just that the attitude is so different from... Uh, and it's an old cliche of how what it's the atmosphere at a men's strip club versus a female strip club is. And I remember at the, this place, the House of Lancaster on the Queensway, I was probably coming home from a shitty, horrible gig. It was totally the audience's fault. Let me just mm, say that first. Of course. Uh, had nothing to do with me and my not how I couldn't relate to it. Anyway, so I'm driving and I just, I, I parked. their fault. <laughs> oh, it's exactly. Um, and so I remember going in, paying like $2 to go to the men's side, but then just this, just this absolutely, it just sounded like a rock concert was going on in, in, on the, on the women's side in the Fox's den, but yeah. just on the other side, it just sounded like it was all just like grinding teeth and erections, but. It was really fun back when they had that happening at a lot of clubs. Like my mm -hmm. very first club ever was at the Royal Hotel in Whitby, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. And they had like the half and half club. So did the Manor in Guelph, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, so the girls and the guys would like travel together back then. And there was a lot of like camaraderie. It was really cool. And I'm sure you guys get to experience that. Nowadays, it's not like that anymore at all. There's been a lot of changes. Well, well I know uh, in, in, in Niagara Falls, they had mints, right? Which was, they had the same it was so scenario. Weird. They slow danced on a black and white checkered dance floor. Like, yeah. Like it was, it, was, so it was always like one side's men, one side women. Then at one point they all kind of get together after being all horned up <laughs> and then they slow dance. It was just weird. I mean, I always thought, Hey, why not? You know, you, you get your, you know, into this and you're into that and we want to hook up, we hook up. But it was a very weird scenario. 
I can remember one time I, uh, I used to live right by a strip club, the Club Paradise in Toronto, uh, which I always liked because there was the stage. The submarine. And, right, and the girls would come up from this sort of like a trap door. And would, this would be like, it was like a factory. It was like, you know, it was like the holodeck. They were just that playing up the ground. Like, which when I, I was a teenager, girls were like, you know, you had to get there one day, right? You, everybody had to experience the submarine elevator. Right. The, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I remember, uh, like, uh, that place. And uh, the only time I've ever actually seen a bar fight happen, too, was at that place. And uh, Yeah, I didn't work there much. It was a rough environment for me, for sure. Right, right. <laughs> Garrett said that you're on OnlyFans, and I don't mean to brag, but this week I hit two thousand dollars on my OnlyFans. Finally, I just have a very amazing. <laughs> I like I don't have I don't have many followers, but my subscription is way up there because I I don't like I I don't need to show off to everybody, but if somebody's desperate enough to see my tits, they can for fifty bucks a month. <laughs> but wow, so that's not everything mine. That's how I'm doing mine, and I'm just like, I'm just not comfortable going less than that. Like, I, yeah. I started with Patreon before they had their censorship movement, um, yeah. and I was doing 100 then, and that was, like, just how I got comfortable. And I did that yeah. for a year, and then the censorship ruined it, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll do 49 and only get 39. I was pissed, like. And yeah. so people really critique me about it. Um, it's like, well, what about all the other girls? And I'm like, well, we can have that talk at the club, too, and I don't care. <laughs> right. like, some, like, people are like, that's a high subscription. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I don't care if you want to pay for it or not. Well, I'm sure you guys, uh, as comedians as well, it's the same thing, right? Like, I mean, you're just going to see your value where you see it at the end of it, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, every person has to have a different value attached to it. And how you get there is your own personal reason. Yeah, uh, exactly. you know, I, I won't go for a certain amount. And if that means I don't work again, I don't work again. And so the whole, whole thing with the OnlyFans, and we've talked about it before on the show, I only think it's great, mainly because it's going directly to the person. There's less middlemen. Yeah, they take a fee. I get that. But if somebody wants it and you want to provide it, you're getting the money. There's no pimp yeah. attached to it. There's nothing else. Has it changed a lot of the game for for your industry? Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised I haven't heard any feedback from um, club owners or managers because I have some pretty long-term, you know, friendly contacts. Maybe right. it, it's mainly ego. Nobody's ever going to admit vulnerability in this industry. But it's shocking to me that none of them have said, like, oh, shit, the girls figured out how to not need us. We should probably start acting nicer to them. Right. <laughs> well, I anticipated that to happen, but I haven't heard that call yet. Well, <laughs> it's always scary when artists figure out how to to skip the middleman. Because it's, all, it's always the people with, like, no artistic talent that make the money. So it's always yeah. nice to see when the people with actual artistic talent make the money. Yeah, well, for sure. I, totally agree. I, know there, I know there's been a huge boom in OnlyFans since the pandemic started because when uh you know when women can't go out and perform live and then that's the source of their main income but then they also develop it's you know they can also develop a fan base by like regular guys going back to the club to see them over and over again and so if they still want to be connected to those customers that they had they'll start up an only fan site and apparently there's been a huge boom of that during the pandemic so it's like they can still keep in touch with the people that, and it's, it'd be weird that clubs don't try to cross promote more. Utilize yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I keep telling them like, why don't we have like a selfie station set up with the club's name in the background? Like, come on guys, 2020, right? right. And, I, and I mean, I work somewhere in St. John's where majority of the customers, you know, not Ooh, I like her spider hand. <laughs> very long time oh no something's going on there we can't hear you he's got a mcgee problem <laughs> yeah. well, hold on a second let's I'll be back hi this is gavin stevens you're listening to anything goes with darren frost kathleen mcgee and dave martin who's holding the microphone on xfm radio so this is this is the show let's have it What's going on? That's no, okay. you out of it. It's fine. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. Um, but Dave, go ahead. You had a question that you wanted to ask her. Oh, what's it's a. Uh, I sound like I'm a Jerry Springer audience member now when I say, uh, well, yeah. uh, uh, 
it's not a question, more like a comment. But um, no, I remember when I said I, I was coming back from, uh, I, I used to live right near Club Paradise. I was coming back there from a horrible show. And I remember I walked up to the bar and a girl that I'd seen there, her name was Storm. So, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was always a, a great name. She's uh, an Avenger. She's an Avenger. It's nice. Well, yeah, she didn't. I don't think she knew the comic book, but um, <laughs> she was a she was a very shapely white girl, not a, a black girl with a, a mohawk. But okay. So, anyways, her name was Storm, and then I remember walking up, and and she was sitting at the bar, and I remember uh, just saying, "Oh man, I just came from a horrible show." And then she turned to me and she just said, "Oh, I know what you mean. This crowd is totally dead." And when a comic hears that, it's sort of like. I mean, I, I know the rules of you can't touch the girls, but I wanted to hug her so much because it was like totally like, oh my God, you get it. You really yeah. get it. Yeah. And then I remember once I was at the house of Lancaster on, on uh, Bloor Street and there was a girl that came out just not getting any crowd reaction at all. And then just sort of very robotically sort of danced. And then she did her song, she went away. And then the girl and the next girl came out and she danced to the what's the the song from Greece? You're the one that I want. Mm -hmm. and, really? Wow. Yes, and she ripped up the room. And in that in that song, the in the time that that song was playing, that crowd went from a bunch of zombies to like fucking zombies that just discovered crystal meth. They were just like fucking going <laughs> ape shit. I love and how I, you just described that. Oh my god. It was just sort of like it was just they went just nuts. And I'm sitting at the bar going like, wow, that's how you turn a crowd around. There's mm -hmm. always comics always yeah. talk about that. Of like, if somebody bombs, you go on next or the host comes on and if he can turn the crowd around and bring yeah. you up. It's, but it's just, how have you found, what, what if, if you are in front of a dead crowd, what does that turn in? Like, how do you, are, are there ways that you can turn them around? Yeah, totally. I connect so much with how you just described that. And in 22 years of stripping, I have never heard a stripper account anything close to what you just said. Mm -hmm. So it's like totally doing something for my soul hearing you describe that. Um, I take it upon myself like almost every stage show to be that girl because very few will even think about it like that. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of think it's our responsibility. I get mad at dancers when they bitch about the crowd, even though I have moments right here too. Um, there's really too many give a fuck list girls going on, right? So right. when I pick my particularly, I like to challenge myself because I'll get bored if I don't because I've been doing it so long, right? And I try to pick music that isn't something a stripper would dance to. So I love that she played that. I really want people to stop talking, turn their head and go, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's, it's, that, it's, it's one of those guilty pleasure songs where like everybody knows that song, but nobody would ever be like, hey, can you put that song on? But when you right. hear that yeah. song, you're like, all right, okay. That's why it's sort of, it's always yeah. funny to me when you see the girls sort of pick the music for themselves and not the audience. Yeah, I think you have to sort of balance it out a little bit. But. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, I think that stripping and stand-up comedy are so similar in how we tour, in how we get hired, in how we are treated, honestly. Like, I've talked to lots of strippers, and I'm like, I basically, I feel like we're in the same industry. I think you guys get a little bit more money and more free drugs, but uh, <laughs> we don't get yeah. as much, but... Yes. <laughs> And we're only we're only figuratively na naked up on stage. We're not literally naked. Yes. Yeah. I always like it when comics go. It's like we're naked up there. Well, I don't know about that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. But yeah, that workshop that you did there, I'm really put that into perspective for me because I was um, allured to the comedy workshop out right. of the curiosity for the connection, and then after hearing you describe everything, I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. There's there's a lot of parallels. There's uh yeah, I mean, every time I've met a dancer and they find out I'm a comic, I don't know, maybe it's just me or whatever, but they don't, the facade kind of falls away and they start talking on a real level sometimes about their business and how the night's going. And I, and I get it. I mean, even Saturday night I had to do, I had to do a show. You didn't really want to, but the pandemic, you, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to and you're there and do the show. And so you do. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of similarities. The, the one thing I did want to ask you, and I didn't want to forget, is the one thing I'm interested in is, we, me and Kathleen were talking about this right before you came on, that you believe in a polyamorous lifestyle, or at least I've seen you post about that. And we were talking, me and Kathleen, and I didn't know what the difference is between a poly lifestyle and swinging. So if you could explain yeah. the differences, because I think a lot of people won't under, know what that is. 
Totally. That's a great question. I was just going to dive in quick and say, I, I'm assuming comedians, you guys all experience kind of the same hardships when it comes to being in relationships, yes. going to perform, not yes. having a great night, coming home, having that partner expecting you to be in perfect spirits and right. having to always be on. I find that really draining. So right. that had a little bit to do with when I started exploring how relationships could be different for me because my lifestyle just didn't make sense for traditional relationship right? right and so I always thought um polygamy that was the only word I was familiar with I always thought that was swinging and swinging wasn't something that ever appealed to me um but when I was a young girl like early into relationships I wanted to be with men and women because I've always felt very balanced equal 50 50 bisexual and right. I didn't want to just be having these wild threesome evenings but I didn't have the context to have the courage to ask for anything beyond that, right? Right. So one day I made a joke about, I had seen like one of the reality TV shows and um, my ex-wife was like, what life could you, would you want to have if you could have any life? So I said something kind of close to her and she goes, no, 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 seriously, like what would you want? And I had never been asked that. It was a really moving question. I was like, oh, I think I should you know, go to Utah and be a polygamist. Seems like uh, that would work for me. <laughs> and she was like, I think you should probably research polyamory <laughs> right. and I did and it was poof my whole life changed I went out and got myself branded because as you guys know boys don't really listen sometimes in the early stages right. <laughs> and uh, I've been refusing monogamous relationships ever since and I think that really ignited the woman I've become over the last four or five years um, because I put down a lot of healthy boundaries for relationships that would make my work and lifestyle a much bigger drag than it now feels like it is. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, because, like, you, you say, I'm like... Again. Oh, no, am I frozen now? Nope. No, you're not frozen. Okay. But, uh, like, I think with the, with, like, with you, within the... We can see you and hear you, I think, yeah. George. Yeah, it's okay, yeah. I think it's, like, easy, like, when you... Not easy, but I think it's, like, when you're in your industry, because people are more sex positive and more willing to talk about it in it's hard to talk about sex with people even though everyone loves it you know it's hard to talk about it with everybody around you and uh, and monogamy has become this thing that's just like that's what everybody does but I think I I know couples that are open and I know all this stuff and they're happiest people <laughs> the happiest of all of them I think, yeah, I think a I lot of people agree. I think a lot of people have a problem because they think why am I not enough for you and and yeah. I don't think that's what yeah. it's about when you want to be poly it's not about it's not enough i mean i i personally believe that if you can live with someone and then go fuck other people but not live with them you like living with this one person that's a different thing it, i i view them as two separate things one's physical one's mental and so i understand why i mean i'm not poly myself i'm not saying me and my wife swing we don't but i understand it and i and i kind of get behind it because I don't think I should ever judge someone for what they do. We're all taught not to judge people that are gay, people, especially now trans and being accepting. Well, how can you only be so accepting of that and not of all these other lifestyles? It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that people need to start understanding that there's not just monogamy. And if that's good for you, that's great. Yeah. It works for me, but it's not gonna work for everyone. I always said that monogamy is like having twins. Like not everybody is going to have it, but some people have it and they're happy, but it's not for everybody. And, and you shouldn't force yourself into that because you'll be miserable. Yeah. Right. I do. But I, I don't Pardon? Go ahead. What did you I say? I think it's the biggest flattery as well to like have a partner you know, decide that they're okay with you exploring other partners. Right. And then after you know, a, a number of years, when you're, you've are you shown that partner that you still treat them in that same context and that, like, you didn't need somebody else and all these misconceptions, that is, like, to me, the hugest form of flattery in the world. Right. So. Well, it's, it's about security, though, right? It's about security, though. If my wife goes and fucks someone else, is she going to come back and be okay with me after that? And that's, I think, also something that's a boundary for people because they feel, what if she likes that more and she doesn't want to be with yeah. me more? That's a security issue. And so, you know, some relationships... So for me, I really get more. off on it. Yeah. I really get off on the risk because yeah. it's like, if they don't leave me for something better, like, wow, this is really what I thought it was. So I yeah. kind of like testing those parameters because of that. For me, that's my biggest driver for it. 
I mean, I, I think communication is key because I think I can see a lot of uh, men and women on both sides uh, <laughs> saying the, um, being like, they, they will just say yes to it because they want to, they don't want to lose the other one. Right. So if I, if I was like head over heels for a woman, I might, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, but I could see a guy being like, okay, I'm cool with it because he's afraid that he'll lose her. Right. And then she'll go off and do it and he'll never really be that comfortable with it, but, but he doesn't want to lose her. And as, but I think it also needs to, you know, you, you also have to have that understanding that the guy's allowed to go off too. But then, but if the guy doesn't necessarily want to do that, I just think sometimes I think I can see one person, one partner taking advantage of it and over the other one, because if yeah. the other, other one doesn't necessarily want to go and be with anyone else. But that, that's absolutely. all that you have to work out. Pardon? It's frightening for me. Absolutely. And for me these days, it's frightening to like even dabble in like a dinner date if it's somebody who doesn't already have a polyamorous lifestyle and experience with. Because right. everything else is just a total brain drain, like derailing, distracting nuisance that I don't need in my life, you know? Right. Now, have you ever dated someone that, what Dave just said, they said they were cool with it, or even was cool with your, your job, and then, you know, six months, a year later, they're not so cool with it? This is the biggest joke of my life, but, you know, it's not really a joke, but, I mean, I, I turn it into one just because it's sure. so repetitive and, you know, silly. Uh, nobody plans to fall in love with a stripper. Right. Nobody goes to a strip club and goes, I'm going to go fall in love with a stripper. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> they, the, you know, I, think, I, I think, could never fall in love with a stripper. <laughs> well, uh, I think a lot of guys get infatuated with strippers. And we had a guest on last week um, who, and we sort of talked about this as well. It's sort of like uh, how the guy can start sort of getting his back up a little bit when he sees her come home with like, you know, like 1300 bucks or like, you know, $800 or whatever. And he's sort of like, whoa, hey, where'd you get that? Or why did you get that much money? And then he has to remind himself, well, that's what lured him in in the first place. And then she, and of course she's going to use those skills when she goes off to work. But it's then I can always see, there's like, a, there's a there's a documentary about Stacey Valentine who was a porn star. And then she started dating another porn star. And then you could tell at a certain point in the documentary, the guy was clearly not cool with right. her still being in the business. And it's just, yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah I, mean, I guess you never really know until you're in it. Yeah, I always tell less experienced dancers, like, you have to stop getting mad at this guy that you're dating. How dare he now decide he wants you to be different? He met you at the club. He should know. That's like the general attitude in the change room, right? I'm like, guys, this is your 10th time doing this. This is probably his first stripper catch a feeling. Oops. So take some responsibility and lay some parameter ground rules and stop letting them take over your life and then freaking out and getting mad at them. Cause I just watched the cycle. Right. right. And it's like, you know, I, I think the guys are kind of really naive kind of victims to the oops love, to be honest with you. Well, you guys are very naive. <laughs> You're very right. <laughs> And you guys get, you know, people get captivated very much too. It's like women and rock stars, you know, you see someone up on stage and everyone's going crazy for them. And there's that, Ooh, wow. You know, you become bigger than life when you're up on stage. And Well, it's the same thing as being a female comedian is because like, I, I, I'll always date guys. I'm like, it's so cool what you do. It's so cool what you do. And then I'm gone for a month to tour. I'm doing this and that. And they, right. and then suddenly, oh, all you do is party on the weekend. And that's all you ever do. And I'm like, well, you knew all of this coming in. I was very upfront about what I did. And yeah. So I mean, it's, for, it's, for me, I'm, I'm glad I got married when I did much later than probably the average person. Like I didn't meet my wife until I was 30. And then, you know, we didn't get married till like 32. But in my 20s, I don't think I would, I, yeah, I would suffer exactly like you did. I'd be like gone and I'm like, well, I want to do this. This is more important for me then than obviously now. And that's why I don't go on the road as much now. But yeah, that's got to be hard. Even in dancing, you know, or stripping in your 20s, that's the time where you want to go and do everything you possibly can. Exactly. Yeah, I, cool. I kept committing to monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> And it sounds cool. It's like, oh, my girlfriend's a stripper. Oh, my girlfriend's a stand-up comedian. But then, like, things, the real parts of the whole job co start coming out. And it's not, a lot of people can't handle it. I got dumped once by a guy 
who was upset that his friends thought I was funnier than him and he was the funny guy in the group. Like, I'm Kathleen, you can, you, Kathleen, you can just say me. You can just <laughs> say me, okay? No, I dumped you. Oh, okay. I dumped you. This guy dumped me. But he said, he said, like, he said, I, he's like, I, I can't, you're funny. My friends think you're funnier and I can't do that. I'm like, you're like, it's, it's so but ridiculous. But aren't you glad you know that and it didn't oh, go much farther? You oh, know? absolutely. Fuck that guy. But I've like literally my whole life has been like, I'm just engaged now. Like, and I'm 39. I'm going to get married around four. But it's like, I, it's, I've, I've, comedy has destroyed almost all of my romantic relationships. But I don't mind because I like comedy more than those relationships. Right. But yeah, when you can't go to a dinner party because you have two shows in Mississauga that night and you have to say to someone, listen, I can come by after the shows. And I'll give you a ride home. Oh. I, I, I wish I could be there, but I can't. This is what I do. You know, it's sort of like when it's sort of like when, when someone asks me, "What am I doing for the weekend?" And I'll be like, "I mean, Monday and Tuesday." Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm working Wednesday through sa- Saturday, possibly Sunday if there's a second show with a, like a show at it. So that's why you find people that are. That's why it's better to date people that kind of get it. Like my fiance is a yeah. chef, and he. He gets that in, like, he's in this industry. He gets, like, the no weekends thing. He gets that. Like, it's never. Right. Yeah. For, like, for, for just so you know, Chelsea, uh, Dave and Kathleen have a history. They used to date. They don't date anymore. And I think they okay. both learned to maybe don't date in the business. Uh, but uh, for you, have you ever dated in your business? Like, you were like, oh, it's the same hours. Whether it was a girl or a guy, did you ever date? And then it's like it didn't work, and then you've got to go to work, and you've got to see that person or a staff member you dated, and like the door guy or the DJ or any of that. Okay, well, it's funny because in my early years, first ten years, I I did and said a lot of the things the other girls didn't say, right? So I didn't have the best moment to say about things. So back then, I had a oh my god, don't fuck the DJ thing going on which is really funny because nowadays like the dj is my god and i connect with them so deeply on a deeper to emotional level but i haven't actually gotten involved with any of them ever over the years i think because i spent so many years conditioning myself about that right Um, but i also have no fucks given like and i have had a really good ability to just live that way all my life so any of the people who i did get involved with like it was just like the next day it was just like hey I never really like let it mess with me, but I definitely right. got involved with dancers a lot over the years out of sheer desperation to just have somebody who understood me because I was yeah. just exhausted by trying to convince somebody that I was being honest about everything I was telling them. Because I'm a very honest girl, and you know, guys can't even take a compliment about their fucking shoe or their watch, let alone what I am and I'm not doing. Right. So it's yeah. hard. It's exhausting. Can, can I ask yeah. what, what will if we become a subscriber to your OnlyFans? Uh, what will we see there? Uh, you'll see a pretty good combination of things because I've been working on kind of not doing one style of anything, right? But the main driver for me that really ignited my soul about just really wanting to do it, contrary to making money with it, right, was exploring my food fetish. <laughs> So I decided I was going to do a lot of food play because I am a chef by trade and I'm a holistic maniac. So I'm like, well, I've always had the unsupportive boyfriends over the years giving me the funny eye when I even slightly suggested food play. So now I'm going to get really hardcore about my food fetish because no one can stop me. This is hilarious. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of been like uh, my front and center uh, motivator. But I also just do simple posts. I do change room club stuff. Um, I do outdoor shoots and videos. I've been learning a lot about how to produce like 10 minute videos with music and stuff like that and staying away from the copyright nonsense. It's been a lot of work. I've been working really hard on learning how to do some pretty decent amateur production. I started my OnlyFans as a joke and it was going to be that I was just going to put phallic food in my mouth. Like... And I have like, it's already available on her Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but then I, but my first picture was a turkey brining. It was a joke. Like I didn't, I wasn't even gonna start posting. Awesome. The one thing I, I haven't done yet that I'm so disappointed I haven't prioritized yet is my gluten free gravy shoot. I really want. I love gravy, and I want to be sloppy with gravy like super bad. <laughs> is, it, is the gluten free part really a thing that I don't? I don't it's think that affects important. you online. It's very important. Okay. 
That's awesome. All right, so if people want to get to you on your OnlyFans, what is, uh, how do they do that? So you type in uh, OnlyFans.com right slash yep. Holistic Stripper Chef. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I was told that that was too long to brand, and I decided he was wrong. <laughs> okay, All and right. then can people follow you on Twitter as well to, as, a, as a gateway into the OnlyFans, or, or what's the way? They can, but I have to be honest with you. I'm not a very good tweety beady girl. Like I, I mean, an account, and I just can't get down on the on the Twitter. I'm really um, present on Facebook, like you've noticed. Right. Um, and I did an Instagram as well. I'm a lot more active on my Flavor Junction, which is a culinary business um, on Instagram, and that's spelled O U R. If there's anybody in America listening. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I need to get with the Twitter program. I just don't. I'm not really a big huge crazy promoter that way. I'd rather just do my wild self on Facebook and be like, and by the way. Yeah, I know. Right. The similarities between you and comedians is growing higher and higher. <laughs> yeah. I'm bad at promoting. I'm not a comedian. <laughs> let the work speak for itself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well I like I said, I have a wonderful opportunity in this book. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. All right. Well, well, we'll put all that up, and uh, and thank you for uh, being a part of the show today. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, saying uh, we're up. We're out of time. It's already ten o'clock. Uh, but uh, thank you. We'll put all. Oh, the I want to throw up my trucker park quick. I want to throw up my trucker park quick. Let me. Oh, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So what's you, you said? That so I'm in commercial truck driving school right now, and I oh, can't so wait to be a trucker and a stripper and a chef on OnlyFans. I think it's going to be fucking explosive. So okay, oh, explain, to me, explain to me. So is this only because of the pandemic you signed up for a trucking school, or were you uh, always a, kind of thinking behind why I was passionate? I I was always um, very drawn to truckers, and I felt a synergy through okay. my shipping. Um, right. And my grandfather, and okay. I have some really close uh, long term people in my life through the clubs from trucking. And right. then when COVID happened, it was like, hmm, I want to get into this club. This sounds like a lot of fun, you know? So right. I got school and I'm on my way now. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing to hear. I mean, do you, do you know who, we all know who Jeff Foxworthy is? Of course, yep. Yeah. Well, before there was like such a thing as the internet and a way to get your, your name out there and create a fan base, Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy was the guy that we would make, he would, he would record his shows and he would put them on cassettes and he would just, he, and they would be on, on sale at truck stops. So, and then these oh, cool. cassettes, and they would drive across country, and it was like sort of like the Grateful Dead, you know, that people would trade tapes back and forth, and they'd be like, "Here's Jeff." And cool. So he had this. He built up this fan base of truckers before there was even before like without radio, without TV mm -hmm. exposure, without touring right. a lot, and so truckers got to know who he was, and that's just it was. Just, that's always just an interesting story to me when people talk about truck stops and how you can go in them, and sometimes, and I remember. Ages ago, you'd see comedy tapes there, and and that was just a way that he. And you could you could use that part of the branding of on your OnlyFans if you're you know you could do oh, shots in the trucks, you could do all kinds of things. Yeah, maybe not audio tapes. I yeah, I've got some plans. Yeah, some plans. So fun. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Next Hi, it's me, Tom Papa from The Marriage Ref. You're listening to Anything Goes on XM Radio. It's hilarious. We had her. Now, before we were talking about something, and you had something, Kathleen, to say. Oh, that, well, it was just that I fucked up with The Sixth Sense when I went to see it. Yes. We went to see it in theaters. And then we were leaving and I was just like, that was the dumbest movie ever. And my friend was like, why? And I'm like, well, I just hated how at the end, his wife wouldn't even look at him. Like he was just trying to talk to her and tell her he was sorry. And they were like, Kathleen, he was dead. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't realize that he was dead. And uh, yeah, so I don't pay attention very much. But. Yeah, it's sort of like discovering like uh, music lyrics when someone tells you them for the first time. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how long I thought the song by Boney M was uh, "Rah Rah Rasputin." Russians made the slot machines, <laughs> which I don't know why I thought that made sense, even when someone said it. And then I was. Then I remember, of course, you know, the old thing of you, you're singing along with it with a friend, and then your friend's like, 
What the what? fuck did you say? <laughs> <sighs> I think that was very interesting how she's like, like going into trucking because like, it's the same sort of thing as like where you're in comedy and you're like, you're, you're like, okay, I'm getting older and I don't want to be doing this forever or right. You know, I'm like looking into going to barber school just to have something in my back pocket, you know? And I think, yeah, why not? Yeah. I think that's so cool that she's gonna be a little trucker. That's awesome. My only thing is how, how much trucking is there on the rock? I don't know, but like she could do it elsewhere. Like she doesn't have to stay out. No, yes, for sure. But that would be my next question in six months if she came back on. Is it just on the rock or did you have to move or, you know, what are your plans? Maybe go down to the States to do it. You know, because that's really long haul trucking, you know, is it could be, you know, you can get a job in it, but it's not an easy job. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look fun. Although I, no. I w- it would be fun to drive in one of those like, or ride. I've always wanted to ride in one. But <laughs> I always thought about sleeping in the back. You know, they have that back compartment. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested in that. That's why I want to look more to something like that. <laughs> I was interested in how much we found out that strippers confided in Darren at strip clubs and had chits, chit and chats with them. It's, I know it is it's weird when people wake up and, or, or uh, open up to you, yeah. especially if you, if, especially when Darren looks so much like the star of the uh, Centipede 2, the yes. human Centipede Part yeah. 2. That's why they open up to me, Dave. Just don't show me yeah. together. Yeah, they see, those bolt, together. They, uh, they, they see those, those bolt cutters in your bag and they don't, don't, don't think, uh, they don't make a connection. No, oh but back, back in the day before my wife, I had my strip club phase where I went a lot. And I oh, can yeah. tell you tons of stories of like, you know, off the record ones involving yeah. certain guys we know and, and some crazy stuff that happened. But for whatever reason, because I never got that many dances. So I guess they just realized they wasn't going to pay him very much money. And yeah. they just well, it happens to me too, though, when I go to strip clubs with guys, is girls will always sit down and start talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you're just. You're, you're not here to have me strip for you. You're just here right. to hang out. And yeah. I tell you stuff, yeah. Yeah, I, my, my one friend Tim always just says that he always just tells him that he's gay. And he's, he's definitely not gay. But he always just says, oh, I'm gay. And then they just sit down and they just talk to him like right. a normal person because right. they know that he's not going to go off for a dance with them. And he's right. not going to... And the whole time he's just hiding a boner. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, I also want to say last last week, I did sort of come across at the beginning of the show that I was a bit of a a, a downer and uh, when I was talking about, but I I do get out and I, I, you know, I went to the axe throwing thing to get my social circle a little bit bigger. And I still am not convinced by hand jobs and I still think there's no dignity in them. But unless you've (laughs) lost both hands in a combine accident. And I always say in a joke that it's like getting a woman to cut your steak for you. But I mean, have I gone to Muse yet? No. But I think you should only go there when you need to, not when you want to. Right? Okay. Don't you think? Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> go get a hand job. <laughs> yeah, go get a hand job. I can do that myself. Anyway. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs>